0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America show. We're delighted you could join us today for what is shaping up to be an incredible day of developments. Developments that I confess has me more than just a little startled by a number of Republican House members. That's right, they've gone full on rhino. We've been talking for days now about the toll that rhinos take on the Republican party. And in particular, over the past five years, those rhinos have uh, done all sorts of mischief and damage. Well, just wait until we tell you what's going on now with six of them, count them, six House Republicans who are lining up with a Biden open borders policy, lining up with the radical Dems and Biden and Speaker Pelosi's plans to spend just tons of your money on that open borders policy, bringing in illegal immigrants and transporting them to the, well, the city of choice in the dead of night, uh, settling them in at great expense. And after that, we have no idea what is happening. Speaking of the speaker, Pelosi is claiming sovereign immunity from all those secreted January 6 videos and emails, you know, that uh, that witch hunt that she has underway. Uh, Judicial Watch has sued the Capitol Police to get access to that material, and we'll be talking with Judicial Watch's Chris Farrell about that and a whole lot more today. And, oh, yes, it turns out that the Department of Homeland Security now has detected a threat to the homeland, as they call it, the homeland. Doesn't that sound like something out of a 1930s movie? Doesn't that sound vaguely Teutonic rather than American? You remember in the old days, pre-September 11th, that we called the homeland America? We called it the United States. Now it's the homeland. Um, I don't like that. As a matter of fact, I hate that. I like America. Interestingly, the Department of Homeland Security has put out a terrorism advisory bulletin. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? That's a terrorism advisory bulletin. We'll be talking about the DHS description of that so-called threat. Uh, It's called misinformation, disinformation, malinformation wait till you hear the term that the DHS has come up with for that in their communications, their official communications. It's, it's absolutely dismaying. Let me say, you may be shocked to learn that the DHS interpretation of that threat could easily be interpreted as a threat referring to everything from high school assemblies to the Oval Office of the White House itself. We'll take that interpretation issue up with Chris as well the biden white house is simply out of control and that brings us to another concern the president's cognitive well-being whatever happened to the republican call for biden who is obviously not functioning normally to take a test uh, on his cognitive ability uh ronnie jackson the president president trump's doctor uh, and now congressman had called upon him to take a test last uh, last summer well, now 40 Republicans are doing so again. President Trump took the test when the Dems asked him, why isn't, why isn't Biden taking that test now that Republicans are asking him? Well, we'll find out. Lots of questions today. We'll be working hard to get you the answers. And a man who has made a career out of getting answers uh, joins us today. He brings us to Chris Farrell. Head of Investigations and Research for Judicial Watch. Also author of a terrific book, Exiled Emissary, and host of a new podcast, which we recommend to you highly, Chris Farrell's On Watch. The title again, Chris Farrell's On Watch. You're staying busy, my friend. Great to have you with us. And I'd like to start with the DHS Terrorism Bulletin.
1: Great to be with you, Lou. I can tell you that the Department of Homeland Security under the Biden administration, continues to outdo itself with every new bulletin and announcement. And so now, as of yesterday, quote, online proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19, those, those actions, quote, undermines public trust in U.S. government institutions. And that is the number one factor contributing to the threat environment. I think they have gone completely out of their minds.
0: I, I would agree with you. And it's why you know I'm I'm so fascinated by this document because it really could be anyone who's determined to put out misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation. I I mean, DHS has even come up with this new acronym. Uh, which is almost uh, uh, like uh, WMD, weapons of uh, mass destruction. This one, though, it's called when focusing on false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories, as the DHS puts it. M. Well, how do they do it? MDM, mis, dis, and malinformation. I-, I mean, that is so amateurish and silly. Uh, it's hard to imagine that a serious agency charged with so much responsibility as DHS would even use such, uh, you know, crappy language.
1: Well, it's what's more disturbing is that it is straight out of George Orwell's 1984. This is Newspeak. And so we, you know, Ingsoc, it's the, uh, it's all the crazy terminology and language and the manipulation of language that allows these institutions and, and Biden administration officials to create their own new reality. They manufacture language, jargon, terminology, and assign meaning to it that allows them to do whatever they damn well please. And in this case, Homeland Security has manufactured an entire, they're essentially criminalizing thought. If you have the legitimate concern over election irregularities and various shenanigans, various shenanigans having played out in Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia. If you bring that up, you you are undermining faith in government, and they view that as a crime.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's really stunning how this reads. Uh, they refer to foreign terrorist organizations, domestic threat actors, uh, who c- continue to amplify pre-existing false or misleading narratives designed to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions. There that expression is again, if you are undermining public trust and in government institutions, that's quite subjective, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> I Personally, I've, I've always felt that one of my roles was in point of fact to be a skeptic when it comes to government. As a matter of fact, I think that's, that's a duty of every citizen to be skeptical about government. That's who we are as Americans. And by the way, to be critical as hell of all these pompous uh, uh, presumptive uh, royals who now are Americans uh, turned autocrats and authoritarians. And I include at the top of that list right now one Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. You're
1: exactly correct. We're supposed to be asking all sorts of unpleasant, awkward, inconvenient
0: questions. And that's
1: what we're paid to do.
0: And when we uh, when we (laughs) so how concerned should I be about uh, my domicile? If I am sitting here sowing, uh, sowing uh, concern about government, its ability? Uh, I I mean, I've got some pretty good evidence. though. I think, uh, Chris, I mean, I really do. I've got I've got the for example, uh, the government now has a national debt in excess of $30 trillion. The economy is slower than that and smaller than that. It's growing faster than our economy. And oh yeah, we do have record trade deficits with communist a communist nation, communist China, a record almost $900 billion deficit. Uh, we continue to be abject fools our government does uh, and our leading institutions, whether they be business or governmental or educational, are, are engaged in a, a massive indoctrination program. It's called uh, EDI. It's called, uh, it's called CRT. Uh, it's being practiced now not only in universities, but it's, tra- it's moved to government. Uh, it's moved to local government as well as the federal government. Uh, and it's a battle royal. And we have an attorney general who calls parents who are upset at a school board meeting domestic terrorists. You can't, I mean, This is, I think, prima facie evidence of a, a terrorist plot against the American people. What do you think? Well, I mean, let's
1: also let's never forget the Biden administration's surrender of Afghanistan to the Taliban. You want to talk about a failure of government. You want to talk about, you know, 20 years of blood, treasure, time, energy, effort. Uh, Trillions thrown, of dollars. Thrown away in a reckless manner that cost yeah. more and more lives. Uh, I mean, you talk about government incompetence. That's a failure up and down the chain of command. And uh, it's a national humiliation. And you're supposed to applaud that. I mean, these are the same creatures who had the guts to point at The collapse of Afghanistan and say that it was the greatest success since the Berlin airlift. You want to talk about redefining reality. Uh and but they have the guts to stand in front of a podium and say how fabulous it is when it was a national humiliation on a scale since I don't know when, since I guess the fall of Saigon. But um and and what and what were the consequences? Who lost their job? Who was who was court-martialed? Who was called on the carpet? Nobody. Yeah, I tell you, you know who was one Marine Corps lieutenant colonel who had the guts to criticize yep. the whole thing and ask for accountability. He was the sacrificial lamb, a guy named Stu Scheller. Everybody else got a pass and walked away and congratulated themselves.
0: Yeah. Scheller, uh, it, it, we've talked with him on this uh, on this podcast. We, he's a outstanding fellow. Uh, he is still, I really believe, uh in disbelief that his his country his government could treat him uh as they did but he was he is also uh, a man of immense courage because he's not only fought against the enemies of this country he's had to fight the the general staff of the u.s military uh particularly the the marine corps and the army and the way they responded is disgusting and and i personally will never and i don't believe the uh, most of the audience of uh, this uh, of this podcast will ever forget uh how they treated him uh one of their own uh, because he questioned the lack of accountability in our military
1: meanwhile really, Gen- no- meanwhile general milley is still sitting as the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff and he's called over to his chinese counterpart and promised to give him a heads up if we were going to take any military action
0: Uh, I still do not understand how he got away uh, with that. Do you?
1: I do not. But I can tell you that we're in federal court suing to get the transcript of his call with Nancy Pelosi, because we know for a fact that the uh, Pentagon uh, transcribed the call. And I'm very interested to see what Nancy Pelosi said to him. And I'm even more interested to see what his reaction was or what his comments or commitments to her were, uh, because Pelosi was essentially saying, don't follow the orders of the president, uh, trying to disrupt or break or in some way, uh, intercede in the in the chain of command. Pelosi is not part of any chain of command. In fact, for that matter, uh, Milley, frankly, isn't really part of the chain of command. He's the president's senior military advisor. But nonetheless, uh, what did Pelosi say to him? How did he respond? If he's calling the Chinese. And offering to give them a heads up, Lord knows what he told Pelosi. We're we're, we're going to get that transcript.
0: Well, I, I can't wait because it, it ought to be a fascinating reading. Uh, I I want to turn to a host of issues that that, well, uh, inter you know intersect with the interests and focus uh, of Judicial Watch, which does uh, as everyone I think uh, understands a terrific job. Uh, looking at looking out for us uh mere citizens uh, against the immense power and uh, sometimes misconduct of uh the u.s uh, federal government uh, this and one of the places that it, it's most obvious is at the border with mexico wide open millions of illegal immigrants coming across that border being flown in the dead of night many of them uh, to communities where they're going to be settled by the federal government at federal expense. No one knows, including the mayors and the city councils and the county board of supervisors or the state governors, that dozens upon dozens, hundreds upon hundreds of illegal immigrants are being brought into their communities, being settled, and no one ever the wiser. Your your reaction to how this has become a a, a bigger and bigger rising problem
1: well it's really i mean it's a, it, I think it started out frankly as a clandestine operation they wanted to funnel these people into small uh you know county airports outside of major metropolitan areas and frankly some some not so major metropolitan areas but they were using uh you know county airfields or, or regional airports and uh you know, displacing or 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 you know, moving about and 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 relocating hundreds and hundreds of people uh, on a on a nightly basis. And this, I think, I mean, think about this. This is the, our government rounding up folks who had come here unlawfully, and then uh, scooting them around the country, always at night, which is always interesting because that shows you sort of under the cover of darkness routine flying into county airports or regional uh, airports, and then dropping these people off, busing them into uh, areas where they could then further move on to wherever they're going. And uh, increasingly, uh, the the initial explanation was, oh, we're just trying to reunite families. And that's a load of garbage because there's now substantial video from all over the country, different county airports. A lot of this video, frankly, is shot from the body cams of various county sheriffs and law enforcement showing essentially, uh, you know, military age males, right, folks between, you know, 15 and 50, right. let's say, uh, coming off these planes. And th- this is, uh, you want to talk about, a, you know, something that's epidemic. This is going on all over the country. And there's a little little or no accountability, we have no idea who these people are. And, uh, and frankly, they're getting away with it. You know, everyone throws their hands up and goes, Oh, my goodness. Uh, but do you see any real action, any real leadership on the Republican side of the, of the operation saying, Hey, listen, we got to do something about this. They're all, silent.
0: they're all silent. The Republican party has been dynamic uh, since John Boehner and then Paul Ryan uh, and and Kevin McCarthy. I I mean, these are dynamic uh, strong conservatives leading with vision (laughs) and, and power and uh, and, and great character these are, I mean, these,
1: these are all guys every name that you just came up with each one of them has never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity in their lives
0: yeah and uh by the way they don't miss many funding opportunities either from big business big money uh big donors and yeah. of course then, then, Street.
1: then they know how to cash in they suddenly yep. they, their, their iq increases 30 percent when it comes to that
0: <laughs> which which by the way still requires decibels uh, <laughs> the, the, the truth of this is we've got a Republican party in, in great pain I would put it that way uh, talking with congressman Matt Gates here uh, the other day he said that the Republican party is, is desperate for vision uh he he said it's going through an identity crisis and I think that it has been for some time but I do think, as Congressman Gates put it, uh, people are just now uh, awakening to how severe it is. Uh, when you have rhinos that have done what uh, Mitch McConnell has done to the Senate, to President Trump when he was in office, uh, and now uh, as he is uh, spewing bile at, uh, <laughs> at, the, at the Republican National Committee because they had, they had the temerity uh, to censure uh, Liz Cheney uh, and Kensinger—it's uh, it, you know when I think they should have been thrown the hell out of the party. Uh, it, it's really quite something to watch. Yeah, I mean I don't know why not throw them out. Why not
1: yeah. you know pull their Republican uh you know meal ticket or dessert card or whatever they call it. Why not just bounce them out? Wait, what is the point of pretending that either of them have anything to do with? Uh, the goals and objectives of that particular party um i i, I guess unless it makes them martyrs they're, they're martyrs to the cause somehow if they do that i, I don't understand it
0: yeah i and it, by the way it's inexplicable except in terms of money uh, they are important to some of the moneyed interests, particularly the chamber of commerce a business roundtable who are lackeys uh, for wall street banks uh, for commercial banks uh the, the big ones especially uh and and uh, US multinationals. Uh, so those, those two are lackeys for them, and therefore they get uh, preferred treatment if you want to get money at all. Of course, McCarthy says they don't want any money from the Chamber of Commerce. While well, I'll make you a, a bet of a dollar to a donut hole uh, that uh, he will be using some of that money in one form or another directly or indirectly. Uh, and copious uh, amounts of it. Well, uh, McCarthy. Here's... I mean,
1: the, McCarthy owes his position to being a fundraiser. I mean, that that it purportedly is his greatest. Uh,
0: yep, that's true. That's ability,
1: true. and he got the job because he's able to, you know, have cash show up. Yeah, a friend of a friend sent an email invitation to a Liz uh, Cheney uh, fundraiser, and the 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 all star lineup of folks who are, uh, you know involved in that were sort of the the George W Bush Romney club of mm-hmm. uh you know all sort of Bush administration used to be former this former that kind of folks so that's i mean they they're all in line that, that that is the those are the Cheney supporters um it, i mean it it really it almost it almost defines itself it's everything from from the the people that were perfectly fine coming in second place perpetually, those are the folks that are supporting this.
0: All right. Well, there are also now, it turns out, there are six, count them, six uh, GO peers who are lined up in the House with Maria Salazar, uh, Congress, uh, Dem- uh, Republican congresswoman uh, from Florida. She wants amnesty for illegal immigrants. What a novel idea. And so she has lined up uh, uh, Dan Newhouse from Washington. John Curtis, Utah. Pete Sessions, Texas. uh, Jennifer Gonzalez-Colon from Puerto Rico. uh, Tom Reed from New York. uh, Peter Meyer uh, from Michigan. These are, by the way, these people are about as left as a Republican can get and still not be embarrassed to carry around an R behind uh, in front of their name. So I I mean, right here, Kevin McCarthy has not has allowed them to do this. They won't do this unless Kevin McCarthy stamps it. That is He's true. the guy that a month ago, uh, and this I'm quoting Breitbart, uh, said that the uh, that uh, we know first and foremost, uh, our greatest strength is the rule of law. Said Kevin McCarthy. So you have to have an immigration system based upon the rule of law. More bull emanating from the minority leader's office as he seems to be campaigning by very careful triangulation about a host of issues that he's been on the wrong side of for years. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the only
1: problem with this sort of dead on arrival uh, proposal is that, uh, you know, you'll have some Democrats glom onto it and call it bipartisan and then ram it down their throats, right. So yeah. it, as, as stupid as it seems, the problem is, uh, that, you know, a, a, the Pelosi sort of reptilian thinking on this would be, aha, we have six, and this is essentially what they want anyway. You know, we've got this absolute meltdown at the border, and the solution from these this collection of Nobel Prize laureates is that, oh, well, now we need to legalize it. Let's make it even crazier, even better than it yeah. was.
0: Well, crazy brings us to one of the craziest uh, uh, deals I've ever seen in Congress, and that is the January 6th committee. Uh, Pelosi now is claiming sovereign immunity in federal court to keep secret those January 6th uh, videos and emails, Judicial Watch suing to get them, uh, and saying first, it's you know that's not public information the public has no interest and by the way we're also the sovereign i love it when they just say it out loud like that you know the the, the speaking part gets pretty dirty when they <laughs> claim sovereignty uh that you can tell who they want to be it's one of the reasons they like uh, you know harry and meghan so much they like the idea even though he's a uh, malcontent uh, rogue uh, piece of royalty at least he's royalty and and they can align with their betters i mean it's just disgusting what uh, what she's doing and what the democratic party is doing about the public's right to know we do still have that right to know don't we don't we Chris? We, do.
1: we do and it's uh it the the hypocrisy here is rich and so nancy and her buddies have created this kangaroo court this phony january sixth commission that is uh looking at what they repeatedly refer to as, you know, this uh, the, the worst thing since Pearl Harbor, all kinds of hyperbolic language about it. But it's interesting, they're so worried and so afraid and so excited about it. And there's such desperate, you know, dangerous insurrectionist activities, that they want to create a commission. But at the same time, when we say, look, release all the video, this is probably one of the most videoed places on the earth, right? There's cameras, every which way around the capital so instead of just playing patty cake look release everything just get it out in the public um this is history you're not gonna you know undo it or pretend there's something pending or make it public and they have the incredible arrogance and of course the other thing that they're really afraid of is we want all their emails right all the stuff where they were provided advance warning and notice all the coordination back and forth the conversations with the park police and Metro PD and Homeland security. The last thing they want is the documentation showing that they had all sorts of advanced notice and warning. Um, and then the video itself, if everyone can look at the video, that's terrifying to them because they're going to see video where police open doors, where they basically treat them like they're tourists wandering around the building, looking at things, uh, Maybe we'll get more video of Lieutenant Bird shooting Ashley Babbitt, the only homicide that day. That would be interesting to see. Maybe there's more video of that.
0: I've Um, never seen that. I've never seen the likes of this. An unarmed woman shot dead uh, by a a police lieutenant who apparently is, uh, I I mean, I I can't even begin to describe what I think of his uh, intestinal fortitude, uh, his judgment, uh, and his character. And there has been not a you talk about a whitewashed investigation. Come on. Uh, what happened there? It's and totally wasn't There a, a, an immense hearing on it.
1: Yeah. And, and all the documentation around that shooting uh, again, uh, we obtained that through a lawsuit and all if people want to read the interviews, they want to see the crime scene photos all on judicialwatch.org, we obtained all sorts of records by suing to get the Ashley Babbitt material that that the Capitol Police and the medical examiner's office had. Uh, But so we pressed for these videos. And the thing that's so stunning is the continued arrogance where, you know, number one, they say those are not public records, which is preposterous. Number two, they claim there's no public interest. If that's true, then they should close up this kangaroo court phony January 6th commission, right? And then third, as you pointed out, you know, they uttered the words that they have sovereign immunity. I mean, this is literally something from the Middle Ages where the king could do no wrong. Therefore, you can't sue the king. And that's what they're saying, that they will not permit themselves to be subject to a lawsuit in court. They, they will not, you know, uh, sub, you know, make themselves subject to a judicial ruling.
0: It is the very height of arrogance. Yeah, it's the height of arrogance, but it's also uh, a very comfortable arrogance because the left-wing national corporate media uh, supports everything the radical Dems do. It doesn't matter how vile, uh, how disgusting their conduct. Uh, there isn't, you know, the Washington Post is there to provide comfort and succor uh, to these uh, to these radical Dems, and it's 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 absolutely appalling what the american people are putting up with uh whether you know cnn i mean the cnn anchors are going nuts right now because they suddenly lost their cover uh jeff zucker uh had a direct line into nancy pelosi schumer uh and and biden he was their uh bidding boy whatever he you know they bid he did I get it and,
1: and you got to wonder you know certainly the dirty grimy little the real story behind Zucker's departure um you, you can the mind the mind reels at the <laughs> at the, the possibilities for the real story behind his departure because certainly the phony cover story doesn't add up
0: well there is the little matter where he, he, he destroyed CNN uh, i i mean they they lost audience, uh, I think, in every consecutive year he was there, it was, it just got worse and worse and worse. Uh, Fox has been uh, out uh, outrating MSNBC and CNN uh, for uh, forever. Uh, I think 25 years is yeah. pretty close approximation. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> I guess they just think that, you know, uh, they never seem to want to Consider the possibility that just doing news would be a good idea instead of left wing radical propaganda and and doing the bidding of every uh, investment banker, uh, Wall Street brokerage uh, and multinational uh, in in the country. It's just it's obscene what we've seen. And you've got Uh, a
1: you've got a perspective like nobody else, Lou, because you're an original plank holder back in the day. So you've seen it from A to Z, the full spectrum.
0: Well, I have. And uh, I've also seen the power of the corporate media up close and personal when uh, you uh, speak out of line to their interests and their preferences.
1: It's almost Um, as bad as Homeland Security.
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think I may have actually been more of a threat at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the Homeland, Department, Homeland Security Department is detected out in the, uh, the amorphous uh, field that they're describing in that uh, uh, terrorist bulletin. Uh, I wanna say to you that it is an absolute pleasure to have you with us. I wanna talk uh, just a bit, if we may, about uh, the sudden the sudden interest on the part of big, big blue state governors uh, and getting rid of masks. Suddenly, they, they've done something that a person could go to jail for uh, if they were to go out and say, you know, I'm not going to pay attention to your mandate uh, if I'm not going to get a vaccination. All of a sudden, there is a turn here that's palpable, it's obvious, and it is breathtaking to watch. For example, the city of New York has just said there will be no requirement for business as of this Thursday, two days from, uh, well, a day from today. And, uh, you know, just out of nowhere. What do you make of it? Well, I think, you know, it's been
1: kabuki theater for a long time. And when uh, the United Kingdom and Denmark say, look, we're done, this is preposterous, it becomes increasingly difficult uh, for even the most rabid fear mongers to, to keep their clutch on you know, the medical emergencies and the warnings and the threats and the, because it just doesn't hold up. And, and increasingly, even the medical evidence of, of, of coronavirus kind of running its cycle, you know, um, it, keeping people at a heightened state of alert for now two years and using fear, and you know, the people have realized that you know what—something like 99% of people who get COVID uh, survive. And uh, have there been deaths? Of course. Is it a very serious medical issue? Of course it is. I'm not. I'm not discounting or doubting any of that—not for a second. But. Uh, you know, but people the, forget
0: as many as a hundred thousand people in a year have died from flu as well. That is also uh, correct, a, 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 and and people have lost all sense of proportion. Yes, this became. You could look
1: at you could look at traffic accident, you know, fatalities, and you'd never get in a car again. I mean, the, the perspective is required. But the, you know, the really perverse thing about the New York uh, indoor mask mandate being lifted is that they're making kids keep masks on in school. Yeah, which, which is really a perverse twist because kids don't they're not subject t- to the virus.
0: And I can't tell you how many doctors we've talked to who say the, the kids should not be in a mask because it does inhibit their breathing. Uh, they are not likely to get any kind of serious case correct or uh, in point of fact uh, in any case at all uh, in most in the vast majority of cases correct. They have wonderful immune systems uh, and, and own, it,
1: it, developmentally it screws them up i think cuz they don't yep. they're 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 soaking up facial recognition and reaction and emotional uh, right. developmental things that i think are cut off socialization
0: correct. Uh, it, it's and, and, and by the way also the joy of learning uh, remote learning is wonderful but it doesn't, in any way, uh, make up for what is lost. I think, uh, by going to a school and to, uh, having interaction and being in the freedom uh, to go uh, go out the door and play and do everything else. Go be uh, a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and, and people have forgotten too uh, how so much of this is manufactured. The uh, the reflexive uh, crushing of uh, of. of personalities, uh, big uh, personalities like Joe Rogan. I mean, my God, because he had a few doctors on his podcast, the most successful in all the world. They uh, the left has come after him uh, like uh, the the vicious uh, ideological cannibals. They are.
1: That is Um, correct. The left, they they want two things. They either want something to be uh, forbidden or they want something to be mandatory. That's the only thing that they understand.
0: Absolutely. Well. Destroyed or made left. <laughs> it's only yeah. two ways to go. Uh, but thankfully, it looks like we're coming out of these dark days and uh, emerging as uh, as we should be. I, I want to quote uh, here before we uh, wrap this up, Chris, President Trump, as he so often is, uh, saying it just exactly the way it is. He said, "They, referring to the left, are so desperate to hide the truth, they will make it criminal." to speak the truth. Uh, I mean, that's profound, and it's true. Uh, And the Marxists are going after free speech in a way that we, I I never thought we, I couldn't imagine it a few years ago that they would be this open about who they are, what they are, and what they want to achieve, which is, frankly, turning this country inside out, uh, destroying our founding values and freedoms. Uh, and moving on, uh, and and frankly, they want to be more like uh, communist China than they want to be like, uh, like America in the 21st century.
1: You're exactly correct, um, and I think that what we let off with, that uh, completely creepy totalitarian-sounding homeland security terrorism bulletin yep. uh, is exhibit one. There's a determined and decided effort to squelch Free speech to squelch people asking reasonable questions uh, for for asking for records and documents that uh, the government would rather you not see from bringing up inconvenient facts and all sorts of unpleasant uh, questions that uh, really, you know, shows them to be the frauds that they are, or calls them to account forces them to take responsibility for decisions and actions that were either reckless, um, you know, negligent, or that shows that they were complicit with some wrongdoing in some way, um, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis down in Florida has got a great uh, uh, advertisement or commercial of some sort, might be for his political, uh, one of his political adventures, where he shows all the flip flops from Fauci, where he says one thing. And then does a one eighty, and then shows another, and does another one eighty, back and forth, back and forth. Um, I mean, it's really it shows the it shows really the the Marxist uh, ideology behind this all.
0: Yeah, and Fauci, by the way, has become a caricature. Uh, he uh, he may not know it, but Fauci is. I mean, he's done. Uh, his credibility is uh, absolutely de minimis. Uh, yeah. He's uh, he's no longer effective for the left and. And their authoritarian dreams so he shall he i would wager he'll be fading very quickly in a, in a few months from the scene history um, will not be kind yeah uh, no it will not and uh, but uh, the country's uh emerging from this and from that i hope will come great things for this country and for uh, all of our fellow citizens uh, chris farrell we thank you for everything you do and uh, all that judicial watch does we appreciate your being with us and, uh, thanks again,
1: Lou, my pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. And we will continue with the great America show in just one moment, please stay with us. And we want to invite you to join us to sign up for your great America show advisory and newsletter, uh, go to ludobs.com. That's ludobs.com and click on the newsletter put in your email, it's as simple as that, and you will receive all of our advisories, alerts, our weekly newsletter, and you will absolutely sense a change in your world as a result of this amazing email newsletter. We invite you to join us. Thanks so much, that's loudobs.com once again. We appreciate it. We continue with The Great America Show now with one of my very favorite politicians, in part because he drives a truck for a living. It has for many years, in part because he calls himself a simple guy who wasn't a politician until he decided to run as a Republican against a professional Democratic politician in the very blue state of New Jersey, and because he won election last fall by defeating the longest serving Senate president in state history. His name is Ed Dur. He's a trucker still despite being one of 15 Republican senators in the state capital of Trenton. Ed, it is great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. I I am just uh, dying to ask you how it feels now that you've realized your dream and your goals of getting elected to be a New Jersey state senator. I, I don't know
2: how to describe it there with you, Lou. I mean, it, it's, it still is somewhat surreal. It's like, am I really in a dream? But no, I've officially been sworn in. I've done the whole thing. I've, I've, you know, went to the state house. I've actually even, you know, placed votes on bills in committee. Cause last week was my first committee in the health, you know, committee. And I actually had placed votes there and it was, it, it's, very interesting, but I'm ha- very happy about it and I'm glad that the people are still behind me
0: well it's it's great and I you know I'm amongst those as you well know uh, behind you supporting you and cheering for you and I salute you for getting uh, being there and, uh, government service for the people. And I know that you're one of the senators who is working for the people and it's much appreciated. I know by them and certainly by me, I, I want to turn to a couple of things real quickly because, uh, things are happening, uh, that you've introduced a bill, uh, which is a privacy bill preventing any agency from requiring or asking the health status of a person. Uh, and uh, not permitting any discrimination or refusal of service at the same time. How? Do, what's the outlook for that bill?
2: Well, it, it's, it's hard to say, see, because I left the bill very broad. I didn't want it to center on the COVID vaccination or the, you know, boosters or anything like that. I wanted to leave it broad on a health status thing. So for to kind of cover for future. Now, we you know, are in the minority. So we need the Democrat Senate president to post the bill, but I've been hammering, trying to get support, getting people to call him up, email him and trying to find somebody on the democratic side to coast, co-sponsor it. And then I'd have a bipartisan bill, you know, because it would be really nice to get it, but you would think, you know, post it and get their vote on it.
0: You would think that even a Democrat could support that. Uh, Is that the case or are you finding it difficult to find a a partner on that?
2: Well, I haven't had really an opportunity to talk to anybody because, you know, we just started the new session, so we've only had a couple of committee meetings and I only have a few of their numbers, you know, so I'm trying, you know, trying to go down the list and work my way until I find somebody who's, you know, receptive to my plans
0: And the other bill uh, that you're involved in is a parental rights bill, and I have to tell you, it makes all the sense in the world too, giving only the parent the right to decide when a medical device is used on their child. And I love the thinking, your thinking on this bill, because as, as you have told me, a mask is considered a medical device by the FDA. So this would be a wonderful piece of legislation. I think every parent would want it passed.
2: I, I would. I know that every parent wants it passed. Uh, and I would believe that it would be very hard-pressed for Democrats to fight this because they say they're for the people and they're for the families. Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on board and let's get this bill passed because that, that's the way it's got to go. I mean, I, I talked to the chairman of the health committee and he's going to take a look at my bill and he's going to see if he wants to get on board. So I'm hoping he does.
0: Well, it, it appears that you've done exactly what I expected from you. Uh, you've rolled up your sleeves, you've uh, gone right to work and uh, you're making a difference. I also understand that your endorsement already is in high demand. Uh, you haven't been there very long and you're already a King maker. Uh, tell us about well, how I, how how that's going.
2: Well, I wouldn't say a kingmaker, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I've 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 made a couple endorsements. One, you know, one was to my very good friend Claire Gustafson, who has been you know supporting me from day one when I right. first ran back in nineteen as an assembly candidate. She has been there helping me, supporting me, standing by my side. So it was kind of a no brainer to support her in her run against Donald Norcross in C D one here in New Jersey. And then the other one was a new acquaintance I, you know, just a kinda, you know, ran into through common circles and we, you know, got to know each other and we share a lot of the same views of America first, you know, and very conservative views. So I endorse Rob Covett for, you know, C D eleven.
0: Well, that's great, and you're making sure uh, because that's one of the things that we, you and I both know, uh, and I think most of the country does now, uh, that the Republican Party can't afford many more rhinos. Uh, What do you think?
2: Well, you know, I, I I have my actually, my consultant hates that word, and and I, well, you tell your consultant.
0: You tell your consultant, Ed, he needs to listen to the Great America Show and kind of expand his vocabulary. There,
2: there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. But, you know, I, I I am definitely trying to be very, you know, selective, you know, because, one, you know, people have endorsed me with by voting me in, and I'm not just going to throw my name away on – somebody that I don't feel shares my views and my beliefs, you know, just Good. so they can get in office or what have you. It's, it's going to be somebody that I know stands on the same values I stand on. Uh,
0: let me ask you this, because this is, and that's wonderful. Uh, and I would have expected no less of you, but I had to ask. Uh, you're, <laughs> I almost said your governor, uh, our governor, uh, uh, Murphy, is, uh, wants to end the school mass mandate in a move to what he calls normalcy. Can you imagine that? Good old Phil Murphy, uh, left wing as they come, has now decided that maybe he wants to recognize that he lives in America. What do you think of that, uh, that announcement by the leading Democrat in the state?
2: Well, uh, when I heard about the possibility of him announcing it Sunday afternoon, I said, well, right behind that announcement, he's going to reinstate demand, you know, the executive emergency health order. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did, because when he was saying March 7th, well, it would have ran out this Friday. So he had to extend it to keep the mask on the kids. Uh, he talks about normalcy last week, I think he was on a talk show and he said that we we're, we're not going to defeat this virus. We're going to have to learn to live with it
0: mm-hmm.
2: Okay, then where's the emergency? why are we in an emergency health palace? So that, you know why, why are we under an emergency?
0: so that uh, he can keep those masks on those kids right?
2: Yeah, well, he he turns around and goes out and does things without a mask, and you see it with all. You've seen it with the Abrams. She, she, you know, the, the people are hypocrites when they uh-huh. talk about this. They want the kids to pose with the mask on, but there it's okay. I see it with school boards. I see it with teachers. They're all not wearing masks, but they have the kids on it. My My daughter just told me how she's all a wrestling match and nobody was wearing a mask. But in the daytime, when my kids, when my grandkids are going to school, they got to wear a mask. Explain this to me. Please, somebody
0: stop the madness. I have not... I have not had such a visceral reaction to a, a photo in a very long time as I had to that picture of Stacey Abrams sitting uh, at the front of the class, if you will, in a room full of little children. I'm going to guess they were four or five years of age all of them with masks, which, uh, you know, our family does not believe children should ever put on masks. Uh, what other families decide is their business, but that's what we believe because we've just read enough that it tells us But that goes back to the parental rights. uh, Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and the kid's health has to come first. And there, this woman who wants to be president of the world is, is sitting, without a mask. The hypocrisy, as you say, it's it's even worse than hypocrisy, I think. It is uh, a level of disregard for uh, the the, at least intellectual honesty. You can say
2: (laughs) evil. You can say evil.
0: You're right. That's what it is. It's elitism. It's everybody that, uh, you know, the elites decide they don't have to, and the poor kids who shouldn't have their be deprived of any oxygen are sitting there with those uh, those masks on and they're the least vulnerable population in our society to this virus.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And did you hear what her the one guy went and said to defend her? He went and said, well, Stacy's not out to intentionally hurt anybody. So basically in a backhanded insult, he's saying that People who choose not to wear masks are intentionally out to hurt people. That's what he was saying in a back end way. Yeah. So uh, he's it, accusing anyone who doesn't wear a mask as intentionally trying to hurt somebody.
0: Yeah, and the other part of it is if she is oblivious to to the consequences of her actions, it makes those actions okay. I mean, that's a very left wing attitude, too, about personal responsibility, which there is none but Stacy Abrams is going to find out there's a great deal of consequence and responsibility for what she did with those kids. That picture is going to live for a very long time in the public consciousness. In my opinion, what do you think?
2: Absolutely. I mean, think, think about this, you know, as you said, elitist, you know, rules for me or rules for thee, not for me. Well, it comes no truer than that picture right there. And Pictures last forever, you know. It's it's yep. never going away, so yeah, I'm going to enjoy. You know, seeing.
0: well, do you think, do you think that uh, Phil Murphy, the governor, pulled the the mask uh, mandate uh, at least uh, rhetorically, because the Democrats are taking so much heat now. The polls are just slaughtering them. Uh, for being uh, the authoritarian party that we've known they were for a very long time, but they've made it so obvious now. uh, They look like like left-wing fascists or Marxists because in most cases, that's what they are.
2: Well, I think what has happened, and some people are trying to say, oh, it's the midterms, it's the midterms. No, what I think happened is Governor Murphy heard or read about a statement made by our Senate president, Nick Scutari, who said that he is going to have to revisit the 2005 uh, legislation act that gives Governor Murphy these emergency health powers that maybe we're going to have to, you know, rein these in. And right away, that's when he said, oh, if I lose the Democrats support, I, I've lost my second term. So he yeah. needs to keep them on board. So he's going to ease back a little. He does, it's not because he cares or he's worried or no. He didn't want to he's already a you know a lame duck governor in the second term. He didn't want to lose it this early on. You know, exactly. we're we're only in the first couple of months.
0: Yeah, but at the same time we're looking at all these uh, these blue states, big blue states that suddenly on the same weekend are pulling their mandates and talking down uh, all of the orders that have been issued by these uh, authoritarian governors. Uh, and suddenly the Democrats are on the run because they're looking at the same polls that I am, that you are, that shows that the Democrats are gonna take a beating like they perhaps have never had this year. Well, you know, it's, They are in real trouble because Biden uh, is leading that party. Uh, into an absolute apocalypse, it looks right now, if these poll numbers uh, continue on this uh, current trend. Your thoughts? Well, I, I,
2: you know, I want what's best for the country, but at the same time, I'm enjoying seeing the disarray in the Democratic Party and how they are continuing to slip in the polls because it, it only means good things for the future ahead. You know, I I count on seeing some congressional seats take place in here in New Jersey, uh, not only in the country, but here in New Jersey. And then hopefully in 23, we might gain either the assembly or the Senate. You know, both would be great. But at least if we get one, you know, and then maybe 25, we take a Republican governor.
0: Yeah, It's so uh, the possibilities are suddenly uh, uh, suddenly there in front of us. And they weren't even uh, in, in a parent existence uh, before last year. Suddenly, Virginia has uh, a state that is not reliably blue. In fact, their their top officials are all Republican suddenly because they went after parents uh, in front of school boards and were ignorant beyond belief. Uh, I think they had decided that they had a free uh, free reign to do whatever they wanted to push this country as far as they wanted yeah, I mean, in a Marxist left-wing direction. What do you think?
2: Well, yeah, and as I said before, and I've said it many times, you, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or independent. When you mess with a person's family, you mess with the wrong thing, and people will go to the wall for their families. So, yeah, they, they definitely went too far when they started messing with the families it's one thing to mess with raising taxes messing with the business you know saying okay with the board or whatever but when you start messing with the person's family then you put a new uh game in play and of course you think?
0: yeah oh, absolutely i agree with you a hundred percent and uh, and look at what's happened to our public schools talk about messing with the family messing with those kids and denying them uh, all that they desperately need, uh, that is socialization, education, instead of indoctrination and remote learning, because the teachers unions were uncomfortable in the uh, in, in with COVID. Uh, those kids are healthy and strong, their immunity system, they were going to be fine. The teachers saw a chance for a very long vacation, and uh, no one should mistake that. Uh, I, I think you're exactly right. And, and Americans are really recoiling against these mandates and nonsense. And in that regard, I've got to ask, you, I was I've been, uh, eager to talk to you about that truckers strike up in, uh, and protest up in Canada. Uh, those folks are talking about taking care of business on a mandate. Uh, they're telling that left wing government of Canada's they're not going to put up with it anymore. Your 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 thoughts about that strike and how effective it is and how important truckers are. Well,
2: absolutely. I, I support them for standing up for their rights because they, this is not about a contract or anything. This is about your inalienable rights to decide your own health, and they're being told to they need to get the shot to do their job. And so I I applaud to cross them that- and.
0: To yeah, across to cross that border. the border, you need,
2: yeah. you, you, you need to have a vaccination guard to get in and out. And it doesn't even matter about a test. It's just a vaccination guard, which we all know that it's come out, that people vaccinated are the ones carrying and transmitting the virus just as much. So yeah. it, to that point, it doesn't make any sense. It's just politics being played here. But as far as truckers go, you know, obviously I'm a 25-year truck driver you know, and I support them wholeheartedly. And I've I've done my runs up in the Quebec, so I, I know what it's, how cold it is. So I applaud them for tolerating being out there in the cold like that and making their voices heard. And as I said in a tweet, when the wheels stop, the world stops. So just remember that without a truck, nothing gets moved. Nothing gets delivered. Nothing gets taken to the store. Nothing gets taken, to you know, from the, fr- the warehouse to the freight yards to the planes, nothing. You no, need truck drivers.
0: No question about it. And uh, uh, when my wife and I are on the road and we see all those big trucks rolling, uh, I, I mean, they're, they're, I just think it's amazing. People don't appreciate what truckers are doing right now, uh, keeping this country moving, uh, as you say. But they're doing it. I, I was worried, frankly, that we're going to see a lot of truckers who didn't know because there were so many people, that, young people that were taking the wheels of those trucks. I'm worrying about them, you know, being uh, as courteous as they should be, being as uh, diligent as they should be behind the wheel of one of those big 18 wheelers. You know, the uh, drivers we see when we're on the road and, and we're on the road uh, for a good piece uh, every few months. I mean, they're courteous. They handle themselves, I think, beautifully in addition to getting the job done professionally. Uh, And and I really think it's a credit to to the trucking companies, the truck drivers, uh, independents, and everyone else uh, on that road. They're doing a great job for all of us.
2: Well, you know, I, I agree with you there. The truck drivers you know, that they literally are professional drivers you know, you, when you're spending eight, 10, 12 hours, you know, in, in a truck, you know, running down the road, you know, you, you become very skilled at it. I mean, I'm a little worried about how they've opened up the driving pool to the young people, you know, but hopefully they will take their time and pay attention you know the the whole thing with the vaccine passport it it seems also ridiculous because truck drivers have been social distancing long before it became a new fad i mean we're in the cab you know for hours on end weeks on end so it just seems ridiculous for that point but you know we we definitely need to put our foot down as far as these government overreaches and I, I hope that they stay strong and they hold their line. And I really would hope that any law enforcement would see that taking a bad order does not excuse doing it. You know, it, it, I was just following orders as a bad excuse. Yeah, so I, Please don't, please don't, you know, do anything to these people who are just doing what the, is best for their family.
0: Yeah, I, I would urge uh, all of our friends in Canada to be listening to Ed on that. And, uh, it, it's a shame. Uh, and to hear, and I'm going to be the opposite of you. I'm not going to be uh, very classy in what I say, uh, as you did. Uh, I, I'm going to tell Trudeau that, you know, he is a silly little SOB who really needs to start paying attention to his fellow citizens, and those are people who make Canada work, and they do a lot more for that country than he does because he is just a complete uh, joke, uh, of the laughing stock of the world. In point of fact, uh, I told you I wasn't going to be as classy as you, but I—I I was. Uh, I'm trying to be a professional communicator to Mister Trudeau, <laughs> uh, and uh, let me uh, let me just say. That as we look at this uh, all of these mandates, all of the, the politics that we've seen being played uh, in Washington right now, how could give us your view, how optimistic you are about being able to uh, shape something new with these upcoming elections? You've got a great sense of the politics and the currents, the political, World uh, in the particularly in New Jersey and beyond. What do you think these uh, these midterm elections will result in?
2: Well, I think is it is vital for the Republicans to win the House back because that gives us a roadblock to any further horrendous actions that have been taken. I mean, we can't reverse anything, but we can stop any further in troubles from going down the road because they need to be able to go through both houses to pass laws. And if we have the one, if it's a bad law or rule or anything, a budget, what have you, we can stop it. And so I'm hopeful that we are going. And like you said, I think we're going to do a lot better than they really think we are. You know, we, we could really turn some numbers this year if it just plays out the way I think it does.
0: Well, let's hope the Republican Party at the national level, the RNC, uh, gets their act together, gets some leadership in there, some new blood and some new energy, because we've got, uh, what, now, nine months about uh, to that election. And they certainly weren't prepared in 2020. Hopefully, uh, the Republican parties in each of these states will be uh, prepared and ready to go. I, I, give us your sense of how Republicans are doing in this state as we, as we conclude here, Ed. Well, uh,
2: based on the messages that I get from people, email or through t- Twitter or what have you, a lot of them have re- renewed hope. And, you know, I'm not trying to take credit for that, but they do have renewed hope seeing that a vote did make a difference and did win an election that everybody said there was no way i would win it did happen so it it proves it proves the fact that if they just keep working hard things can change so it's given a lot of people saying you know and and i and i don't like the term because they go and say it to me they say because i just heard it yesterday in the woman's Says, oh you're you're my hero and you're my son's hero and i said please stop i'm not a hero that's that's for the military that's for the firemen that's for the cops that's for them men and women who who lay their lives on the line i'm just a guy who was fortunate enough to win an election based on the people voting for me i'm not a hero i'm just uh i just want to be a representative of the people
0: well for the I, people
2: by the people remember that right
0: amen brother amen and uh, I can, I, whether you like it or not, I've got a, I've got a, an expression for you that you're just going to have to live with. Uh, I, I call Ed Durr a great American, uh, and I also call him Senator, and that really feels good. Ed, thanks for being with us, and appreciate <laughs> it very much. And I hope you'll come back soon. Thanks so much. State Senator. thank you. State Senator Adder, a great guy, as I said, a great American. And uh, that's it for this episode of The Great America Show. We thank you for being with us. I hope that as a result of our discussions here today and a a few thoughts about uh, what is going on in the world, uh, that you are, like me, uh, hopeful that we will uh, turn things around in this midterm election and that better times lie ahead. Tomorrow, we'll be joined by one of the country's leading pollsters, GOP strategist and pollster, Robert Cahaley. With us, we'll be talking about what looks to be a wave election. Will the Republicans take back the Senate and the House? It looks that way, at least to Robert Cahaley. Please join us tomorrow here on The Great America Show. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.